Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. John McKeel is an excellent musician based in Sackville, New Brunswick. A masterful underground rock music maker, McKeel and his killer band are about to tour behind his fourth album. Here's a song from it right now called Conduit. by John McKeel is called Memorial Ten Count. It's out via You've Changed Records, and it prompted John and I to have a chat about New Brunswick, real estate markets around Canada, really, kids, Raffi, record players, minivans, cooking, Robert Stack, the great Amherst mystery, Al Capone, and much more. Sponsored by The Bookshelf, Pizza Trocadero, and Planet Bean Coffee, here is myself, and John McKeel in conversation on Creative Control. Hi, John. How are you? Oh, hi. I'm good. Good. Thanks for being on the show. Pleasure to be here. Now, where are you? I'm just sitting at home uh, in a little home studio space here. Oh, okay. In Sackville. What, what city? What in what in which city? Sorry, Sackville, New Brunswick. Oh, you're in Sackville. For some reason, I thought you were further east. Um, no, I li- I've been living in Sackville, New Brunswick, for about 
for five five years now. Right. Before that, you were where? Uh, like Halifax and this, uh, further into Nova Scotia. I guess, wait, we're, no, we're in New Brunswick. But yeah, I used to live on the south shore of Nova Scotia in like Lunenburg County. That's where Jay oh, still cool. lives. Yeah. It's a nice uh, area there. There's some, I, the, when I go to, if and when we go to Sappy Fest, when we used to go to Sappy Fest yeah. uh, in Sackville regularly, my wife and I would often stay uh, in the, on the south shore of uh, Nova Scotia at a, a friend's uh, cabin. Oh, lovely. That's, that's lovely. Beautiful and, lake, and yeah, it was great. Which, uh, which community was it in? Uh, I knew you were going to ask me that. It's it sort of matter. near Liverpool. It's sort of near Liverpool. I can never remember the name. Okay. Uh, That's where I Jay lives. Is it? Is that right? No, he lives really close to Liverpool. Where does he live? He lives in Crosstown. <laughs> okay, I don't think that's it. Damn, damn it. It's like... Uh, anyway, it'll come to me at some point later on, probably. Just, just shout it remember. out. Oh, is it Bridgeport? No, Bridge something? Oh, there's... Uh, well, there's Bridgewater... Bridgewater. I think it's near there. Okay, great. Yeah, Bridgewater. Is that is that is there like a little community there? Yeah, there's a pretty big town, maybe 10 or 12,000 people. Right. Right, right, right. I think that's what it is. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I had bridge in there and I'm pretty sure that's right. It sounds right so, to me. Uh, yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely there. But you you're not why what why would brought you to Sackville? I had some buds here and <clears throat> we when we're living uh we're living rather in Halifax and looking at um like purchasing a house and in Halifax it wouldn't have been possible Sackville's pretty uh, reasonably priced to buy a house it's like cheap in fact Halifax the the housing market is is uh, is not uh, good I mean I mean it's uh, I don't know I for me like nothing is good I I like Vancouver or something seems like uh, or Toronto or probably even Guelph seem like way out of my league and even Halifax for sure yeah, I mean it's it's these how the housing prices are just crazy. I mean, it's not. I yeah, I don't know how people. I don't even know how I. Yeah, we have a house, but it's yeah, it needs some work and stuff. And it's my wife wanted out, and I said no. We I think we need to. I didn't definitively. That came across badly. I didn't just say <laughs> no. I said well, I don't think it's a good idea because we have a house in a nice part of town and. Also, I was like, I'm not like we would go and we bid on some houses, you know. We looked around and I didn't, we never won, we never won, we never won the bids because, uh, in particular, here, I don't know what's going on in your neck of the woods, but here in Guelph, we have this weird phenomenon of people from Toronto moving here with their tons of money. Like they'll sell whatever hovel in Toronto and still have, you know, half a million dollars or something. And then they and they're come giving money here, to, to the people. Yeah, well, they overpay for the housing in the houses in Guelph. Like by like, it's very typical now because Michelle keeps her eye on the market and she'll she has her contacts, you know, in the real estate world, and she's frequently told that houses are selling for like a hundred and a hundred and fifty grand over asking. Whoa! And yeah, and I'm seeing it too. So these Toronto, and I know for a fact in our neighborhoods, these Toronto people have come in. They've come in from Toronto, Toronto uh, with people. their money. I know it sounds derogatory, but they, there's these people from Toronto. They come in, and what they're doing is they're overpaying for the houses houses here, which drives up the market. And then I find that they're splitting. They're leaving. Uh, after like a year and a half or two years, they're like, I can't take it. I need to go. I don't know where they go, but they leave Guelph. Guelph's not a bad place. 
I thought Guelph was kind of like kicking ass right now, you know, with the, at least in cultural capital. (laughs) Yes, that's true. But what is that really worth? I I mean, it's worth a lot to me and it's worth a lot to you and it's worth a lot to a lot of, well, not a lot, but it's worth a lot to some people. Right. But it is, it's good. It's doing, it's weird. It's, it's being hailed as a place that people should live, but that's just creating kind of sprawl and uh, a lot of demand for land and and there's not a lot of inventory as they say in the real estate world so it's very competitive <laughs> and it's very frustrating so you're you were driven to Sackville for probably around this it sounds like the same reasons really right <clears throat> well i think so i mean i i don't know i we just knew that we couldn't afford to live in a bigger city probably but also like Sackville is a really small um, amazing town that has tons of like art and wonderful people in it. So like, I'm happy to live here. Like I'd probably rather live here for sure than in Halifax, for instance. Yeah. Sackville's lovely. Are you from Halifax originally? Uh, no, I, but I, I grew up in Amherst, which is just across the border from, so like Sackville essentially is on the border of New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. And once you cross the border, you're the next town over is Amherst. The kids here uh, call it Shelbyville. <laughs> right. Wait, wait. So Sackville, Springfield, is that how that works? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, kind that's... of like a little bit like, um, uh, it's got a little bit more like hair on it, if you will. Sure. 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 Okay. But it's. Was it a nice, was it a good place to grow up, Amherst? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, really interesting characters. Um, this guy, Neil Ruff, he took a lot of photos of it in the 90s, which is like what I, those are the times that I remember. And I haven't seen the photos yet, but I cannot wait because he's going to show these to me. And uh, I think he's making a movie right now with Michael Hurley, actually, which is really cool. But he's going to show them to me. And he called Amherst at that time David Lynchland because he felt like the whole town had like that sort of vibe going, I guess. Does it, uh, I want to get back to that Michael Hurley thing in a second, but does Amherst have a creepy underbelly from your, by your reckoning? It has a bit of a seedy, it's like way seedier than uh, Sackville, you know? And definitely there's, uh, yeah, like it's a pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. I, I don't. What, I, I, what, I don't know. What makes it wild, though? I I, I just want some. Can you give me an example? Like, oh, like, okay. What's well, like a notorious Amherst story? Oh my God! You're putting me on the spot. There's way too many. Oh, jeez. <laughs> there must be. There must be a good one. Okay. Yeah. No. There's got to be. There's. There's so many. Um, I do find. I don't want to. I, I'll, I'll, I'm. I'm going to stall a little bit so you can jog your memory. Yeah, yeah. And just blather a little bit. But yeah. I do find that the that section of the Maritimes I can tell something's a little like in a not in a bad way but something seems a little off yeah just some of the people you meet seem a little backwoodsy you know they just sort of <laughs> they emerge at like sack I see them at Sappy Fest that's pretty much the only time I see them okay yeah and some of them they just have this kind of vibe of I saw a guy walking down the street and I think he was from Amherst and during Sappy and he was shirtless and he had a boa constrictor wrapped around his neck and he was just walking around with like a smoke hanging out of his mouth. Yeah, they, see, that's what I'm talking about. 
Just like everyone's a borderline professional wrestler, you know, like a character, <laughs> a heel, like Jake the Snake, you know, like they just, that's weird. It's, there's a weirdness. I like it. I mean, it feeds, it obviously has yielded a lot of amazing art. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's lots of great bands from that area and they're all kind of weird. <laughs> that's true. I mean, there is a, a special, um, like dark, maybe it's like a, it's like a darkness but also it's humorous too like on this i feel like on this part of the world in this part of the world like in the west coast yeah, feels like lighter somehow you know like, i don't know even the coasts yeah. like well i think if i can generalize and this is no offense to anyone but my feeling is that the maritimes first of all the maritimes has a reputation for being the nicest part of canada like the people per capita are the kindest most polite the kind of place where if you're on the curb and one across the street, all traffic will stop, whether there's a, a cross, you know, a traffic light or not. Uh, that kind of that kind of place, and, and that's the vibe. You know, you obviously would know better than than most because you lived there. But the, there is a sense that it's nice. I do think there's a darkness there, and there's a sarcasm and a kind of uh, uh, sardonic humor. When you as you get out west, I actually think it's a little more evil. I think it's not as nice. <laughs> I feel like there's stranger things going on and people are just not as nice. They, The vibe in the West is supposedly more laid back, but I don't think it is. That's not how I feel. I don't feel like that when I'm there, really, necessarily, either. But, I mean, who knows? I, we could be in... We're talking about, um, like, more urban settings, I would assume. Well, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm not a big... Again, I don't mean to... I'm, I have friends from there, but, like, I'm not a huge... Vancouver fan. Yeah. I never have a good feeling. There's something about Vancouver. Maybe it's just the mountains. There's just something kind of, I don't know. It just feels like I'm, I get kind of like panicky. Not panicky. It's like more irritated. I shouldn't say panicky. I'm just like I'm vaguely irritated when I'm there. I don't, I mean, mountains make a lot of people irritated. I think that's, a, I think it's pretty normal. Is it? You think mountains make people? I've never. I thought I I came up with that myself. That's I a was thing. Just trying to sympathize. I think that there's oh. no. I don't think that's an actual thing. <laughs> I think people are awestruck. They love the mountains, you know. And they, it's like, they look at the mountains. I'm like, yeah, that's. I like the mountains. Don't get me wrong. It's very scenic and lovely. But there's there's also something kind of mystical and and domineering, obviously, about the mountains. You know, they just sit there. They don't do anything. They seem kind of. They're obviously gigantic, and they just kind of... Ju- I feel like the mountains are judging me, you know? Like, you think you're so big. Look at me, I'm a mountain. That's how I feel. Just cheap showiness. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think of. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> what I what I think. But I don't get that. There's nothing pretentious, really, about my... And when I go to the, to the East Coast or the Maritimes, I don't feel that sort of sense of showiness. Everyone's very modest. But not everyone. You know, I'm generalizing. But there's a... It's nicer. It's just nicer. I could live. I could live in the Maritimes. I don't know. I could live. I couldn't live in British Columbia. I don't think. Yeah, I, I kind of like the climate, but I haven't found a town that I'm really excited about out there. Yeah, there. The, as I say, there's weird towns there too, which I which appeal to me. But there's there's kind of. I have don't you been trust to Nelson? It. Apparently, Nelson's really cool right now. I have been to Nelson. I played a show there. Yeah, and oh, great. Uh, it, uh I remember liking Nelson. Yeah, it was fine. It's fine. It's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron told me about playing like a solo cousin show out there, and he said it was kind of pretty fun and like off the rails. Yeah, yeah. And and when you're traveling around the country and you come across a place that's like that, it it is it 
it's certainly memorable. And then it becomes in your memory, it becomes more and more endearing, even if it was a bit unsettling while you were living it, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's how I feel anyway. Anyway, uh, so yeah, you're in Sackville and you're, you're making music there. And uh, this, by the way, I haven't, this Memorial 10 counts, fantastic. Just amazing. Love this record. Wow, that's, that, thank you. It's so good. I mean, the song Conduit that, uh, I think it was one of the first singles actually, if I think of it, but I, it really stands out for me on the record. And there's a, there's a something that I, because I, I tend to talk to lots of Americans on this show, I've been trying to talk to them a little bit about what's going on in, in their country and, and how what's going on in their country is impacting the world. You're not American, yet there's a line, there seems to be a, the song Conduit in particular seems to address America in a weird way. Is that yeah, right? Maybe just with that, like, sort of the first line to the song is like, peace sign to America. Peace sign to America, though, which is, I think these days, a very profound kind of statement. You know what I mean? I mean, this was before, this was pre-Trump era, but... Um, well, I mean, America's always been kind of messed up, and, and we're right beside it. So I assume, like most many Canadians, you have a ambivalent relationship with America. Yeah, I mean, I think it's amazing. I think it's, I think it's such a, an amazing place. I don't think the song is is like a particularly, like addressed. I mean, I guess the first line kind of makes it seem like it is, but I don't. Maybe I just messed that up. Like, I don't mean that uh, it's directed ex- like only at the U.S. or anything, because Canada has some pretty crazy problems of its own, obviously. Well, just to, just again to clarify, the line is peace sign to America. You're not saying something untoward. You're not saying something uh, I th- that is sort of uh, mean-spirited. You're, you're saying peace sign to America, but it's a gesture that in these, in, as you say, like it was written before our current climate, but these days... It's still lots to talk about there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's why it sticks out for me. Are you, does the rest of the song kind of follow in this in this sort of reflection upon that country? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more of a a narrative about, like, power and uh, in particular about, like, police power and, like, brutality and sort of, like, that that power is kind of fragile and or, or maybe non-existent or whatever. I think, like, the line is, like, there's nothing in the conduit or whatever. I don't know if you have to... Did you get a copy of the record? I thought I mailed you one. I don't know if I yeah, know. Uh, no, Steve got. Yeah, I have oh, a vinyl nice. copy of it somewhere. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is uh, the lyric sheet in there? I I feel like I put it. It's right around here somewhere. They're all just printed on the back. They're on the back page. It doesn't matter. I can tell you. I can tell you oh, what yeah, you need you, to you know. Yeah, you just tell me. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, I, don't I got it. I, I definitely got it. I just had to put it uh, away for a little bit until our. You know, okay, I'll level with you, and I don't want to lose this train of thought. That's okay. But we, I think, like you have children, right? Mm-hmm. And they're they're around the same age as mine. They're yours are what well, yours are two and four, and mine are two and five. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's chaos. It's just I don't know what your experience is, but for me, I can't half the stuff I put down. I never see again. It's my stuff. I don't even know where it is. Oh, it's terrible. And terrible. It's well, they're not that bad about it, but I just I I'm I trying to get better just putting stuff away uh right away i'm trying to get better at that so that uh, i at least i know where it is uh and it, and it's out of harm's way you know what i mean so i think the records i got your record and the richard laviolette record c- uh, courtesy of steve over there you've changed 
right, records, right. and and I just put them away for now because our where I listen to my records, it's a bit of a disaster right now. So I've listened to the record, obviously, or I wouldn't be uh, talking about these songs, but uh, I, I did it uh, digitally. So I, I'm just going to confess that right now. But I have it, and I'm going to listen to it when I have a moment. Do you have time as a parent to listen to records? Do you get to do that? Yeah, I will listen to records all day with my kids. Oh, you do? Yeah, I, I uh, hang out with them every day, and uh, that's one of the things we do. The other day, one of them grabbed the record player, and, or just the, the needle, and ripped it off, <laughs> so yeah. I have to go yeah. to the music, or I have to go to Moncton and get a new cartridge. Yeah, my son, when he was about my my daughter's age, when he was two, he climbed up. The record player is high enough that he couldn't get it, but he was, he didn't mean it. He was climbing up to get something else when he was two, and yeah, same thing, destroyed the stylus, and I didn't, I was broke. I didn't replace the cartridge for uh, six months, just didn't get around to it. Yeah, I've been going on like about two weeks. It's driving me crazy, though. I got to get out. It's just like for me, I have to drive for like 40 minutes to do it. It's so annoying. Yeah, exactly. So that's, again, okay. So I think you can relate to what I'm going through. Like, yes, I have the records. I put them, I can see the record. I, it's in my uh, vision right now. It's I can see it. So it's within arms. It's not within arm's reach, actually. I'd have to leave this whole conversation and go get it. But my point is, I know where it is. I put it away. And one day, one night, uh, when they're asleep, if they're asleep early enough, I will just sit down and put on some records. Yeah. But I have been, uh, unfortunately, even... It actually has curbed my uh, interest in going to record stores of late. Because <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know where I'm... I'm running out of places to put stuff. Oh, boy. And so... Yeah, sorry. This is my situation. I'm listening to lots of music still, but it's it's very, very digital at the moment. Which is fine. I'm not, it's not the best, uh, you know, it's not, it doesn't feel as good uh, sonically or or it doesn't feel like I'm concentrating. I, you know, I've got records. But you can get anything. You can get anything you want. It's true. That is true. I, I Anything, it, yeah. If I want the Ray Charles box set, I just tell my phone to play it and it does. And I do the dishes listening to the Ray Charles box set. Like that's just... That's just a thing that exists for me now. Very convenient. But, and it's and, and to be honest, that's when my son and I listen to lots of our music now. So that's great. Uh, Are yeah, you guys so still, still playing a lot of ACDC these days. No, not as much ACDC. He's really obsessed with um, what's in the car. He keeps going back to mock up scale down by the Super Friends. Oh yeah, that's a great one. And it's a really I I you know I've always loved that record. Uh, and Love Energy, the the kind of last thing they did. He loves both of those records a lot. And uh, that first Super Friends record I've declared to myself is one of the greatest guitar records I've ever heard. Whoa, that's a good endorsement. It's really, have you, do you know this record very well? I don't know it well enough to like speak about it like on that level maybe. I was just actually look as we were speaking, I was just looking uh, looking at a trying to find a photo of the cover because I thought I had this one on uh, on which format CD yeah well I have it on I have it on every format I think and they have it uh, the Super Friends Bandcamp page is remarkable it's got everything they've ever done oh great and Bandcamp is the you best. can just yeah it is good and you can and all of their stuff is there and it's uh, that is an underrated classic like just three guys in particular well four guys dave marsh was in that band too uh but 
the three primary songwriters on that first record are just on fire. Just everything is perfect, and the song and the sound of it is incredible. Uh, it's it's just great. And anyway, he loves that. And uh, what else is there? Yeah, yeah, he's into that. And we really got into some hip hop stuff lately, so he's been into uh, some some rapping. Oh, it's great. Good. Yeah, no, we're still. I find bonding uh, with my children over music is is quite simple. Uh, he he just he's very um, he's very particular about what he likes and doesn't like. Oh, on Hot Snakes, I got him just because whatever's in the car, you know, whatever CDs are in the car. We drive a fair amount, my son and I, uh, to get groceries or go to swimming lessons, and so we we listen to music in the car a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, he really got into Audit and Progress by the Hot Snakes. I just randomly put it on. You know, some of this stuff isn't necessarily appropriate for a, a, a kid. <laughs> um, but he likes it. Like, he just really loves it and gets super into it. And he starts so, singing them I remember back to me. listening to a, a, another episode that you did, and I can't recall who it was with, but you were talking about, you told a story about how you spoke with Rafi, and he said, and about how you guys were listening to maybe, I think it was ACDC, like you and Levon, and he said, I don't know if you should let a kid listen to music like that's that, like, frenetic, or like, what was it, is this true? Am I remembering yeah, this Yeah, that's, I, yeah, no, no, that's true. I think it was, it was, it might have been the Lonely Parade episode. Oh, okay. I feel okay. like it came up around then, but yeah, I think that's right. Maybe it was somebody else. I, I just remember, I've been, I've been trying my best to finish this documentary for the podcast uh, about um, children's entertainers uh, uh-huh. who who keep uh, their uh, their adult listeners in mind. Because as, as you probably know, you you uh, as a parent, if you let your kids watch some TV or whatever, like kids programming, some of it's amazing, but some of it isn't. Right. Some of it's really not uh, nutritious. Let's say like it's just kind of. And if, as an adult in particular, you're like, oh, God, do I really have to watch this again just because my kid is watching it? <laughs> uh, but but some of the kids' programming is really high. It's like a higher level, and there's every once in a while you can tell there's like a little thing for us. So anyway, I was talking to Rafi about this stuff, and he was uh, he's part of the the documentary. Uh, he's one of the people I interviewed. And, yeah, I mentioned to him that my, my kid was really into ACDC, and he, he, he kind of scolded me, and I think uh, justifiably. I think he said, you know, some of that content uh, is not appropriate, uh, which is totally true. Uh, I'm not going to second guess. Some of the ACD, and you know, I'm not, I'm skipping songs every once in a while if things are too, uh, you know, uh, borderline there. But he also did say that the with a band like that, their energy level uh, might be too much for a kid. Which that's I what I was. That's what I was worried about because. But my kids really love like Adrian Teacher and the Subs. Like anything punk, like they're or like yeah. not, not to say that Adrian and the Subs is like. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that. But they're they're <laughs> punk. They're kind of punk, right? Like I just didn't want to like, dissect punk. it right now. But, uh, well, they're they're, they're punk so, in the same way yeah. the modern lovers are punk, I guess, or something. Yeah, oh, sure. right, yeah. they're punk, but they yeah, love that I stuff. I don't know if it's too high energy. I think it's good. Uh, I, it's probably the right energy. And then, but I, I don't know. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Is he? He's a child well, expert, know. right? Well, he he's been a children's entertainer for forty years, so he has. But he's like a psychologist or something too, right? Or he he knows about. He's an expert in child psychology, and he's spe- yeah, he, oh yeah, and it's va- vaguely religious. I heard him on like Tapestry or something. It's it's kind of like it feels really religious or something. Huh. I've never. I mean, I've seen Rafi a few times now, and and uh, we've. Uh, Obviously, we spoke the one time. Uh, 
I and I watched all his specials. I mean, there's certain songs that are kind of standards now that seem. We have a couple a little, of his records. Yeah. Yeah. What do you make of them? They're great. They're, yeah, they're cool. I think he's a really good guitar player. I don't think he gets enough credit for being a good guitar player. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's like a s- acoustic shredder. It's kind of he like, is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's I try to follow along when he's like uh, for the live DVDs. I I used to try to play some of the songs. I'm like, what? I don't even know what he's. I don't. I'm not a great guitar. I'm not a good guitar player even, but uh, I I can play a little bit, and I just couldn't even figure out some of the, a lot of like weird chords. I thought, and just like I can't figure out what he's doing. Whoa. Um, a little bit. Just not. I mean, it's you'll. You're a guitar player. I mean, you probably think I'm. Be, I, I. I'm one of these people that can kind of play guitar, but still finds the instrument a little mystifying. You know. No, I feel the same. You feel the same. You're. You're amazing. You're really great. No, but it's like it's it's a mystifying thing, probably. It is a little. I've talked about this on the show too. I think I've talked to some people who are like, yeah, the guitar in a weird way sort of doesn't make you have to make sense of it it doesn't make sense like you have to kind of figure it out yeah i think that's true yeah so yeah anyway my yeah my kids yeah we still listen to raffi a little bit and uh we i've taken them to some shows like the wiggles and raffi and oh yeah and uh they don't sustain their it doesn't sustain their interest for too long but they yeah, I don't know. My kids are big replacements fans still, and he's always he's always asked me to sing replacement songs at night. Uh, his new favorite is the Bruce Springsteen version of uh, "Santa Claus is Coming to Town." <laughs> so that I introduced that when we were all in Edmonton over the Christmas break, and here it is March. I'm still singing it he, every night. I have wow. to sing uh, Santa Claus, the Bruce Springsteen version. I gotta Santa hear Claus that. It must be really good. You haven't heard the the Bruce Springsteen the E Street Band? It's like a live version of that song. It's a it's a classic. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah. No, sadly, I never really got too heavy into into the Bruce. <laughs> so it's sadly, depending on your perspective, I would think I, you, I I I'm all in. He's someone I liked when I was a kid and grew to appreciate more as I got older. Yeah. Um, but I don't think his output in the last. Uh, I think he's put out one really solid record, and the rest are kind of not great. So I think you're, if you're going to listen to Bruce, I think you're, you're still okay to go from like the '70s to the '80s, and and that's I think his glory days, if you will, are are still. I don't think he's done. Ah, it's not a total. It's not totally fair. There's some some records he made, uh, in particularly the Devils and Dust record from '05, '06. I think it is. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, I remember that one being pretty huge. Oh yeah, like people talked about it. Wasn't it like what was the single off that one? Devil, that was it. The song "Devils in Dust." Uh, that was one of the singles. I don't think that one. The rising was a bit bigger. That was a few years before that one. That was just after nine eleven. Uh, but uh, I don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there were some good songs on "Devils in Dust." Oh, oh no, I don't I didn't hear it. I mean, I just remember it being popular. Like I recall, I know the album title, which is like kind of crazy cuz I only know like I don't know Nebraska and like Born in the USA maybe and then that <laughs> one. So I know those three somehow, but I don't know anything else. Well, when you're an artist of his uh pedigree, you have these renaissance the people uh, bestow a renaissance upon you sometimes. Right. Uh and they sort of suggest that you're having a a comeback. And I think that was around the time where he was doing lots of kind of he was doing really interesting things. That's actually the the tour for that record. I went to the 
see him on the tour for that record and he was doing a suicide song um Whoa. which i knew he liked suicide but it just was interesting to hear him sing dream baby dream in an arena um on a on a harmonium or something it was just yeah just the guy's the guy's interesting i mean there's no doubt about it i think he does he's i don't think <laughs> i didn't get into it because it's not really cool i just somehow there's just i don't know i haven't gotten around to it i will well that's what we when we go back to the all right so do you ever listen to music digitally like do you ever listen to streaming services all, all the time all the time especially because yeah my record player is broken right now like we've been streaming right. i do google play i'm not trying to like endorse any one thing but yeah i that one's pretty cool yeah is that the is that i've never used that one can you pretty much like you, you were saying anything. to me you can right so if you were really like i should sit down and figure out if bruce springsteen is for me can i could you do just, it you could get every record yeah and yeah, listen i to could it. totally i could do it i just listened to, it's yeah i don't know why i think i would just listen to youtube though it's like you can i just put on a full album like search full album on youtube it's so much stuff there is a lot of stuff. I think I feel like the uploading is a varied, varied quality on YouTube. True. Um, yeah, you don't always get the best quality, but you can search around and find, you know, yeah, a good version. Yeah. Generally, on these other streaming services, I mean, if you're lucky, do you have a thing where you can tell? I get. I used to get it. I don't get it as much anymore. But I used to get like MP3 fatigue. Like oh. I, I just couldn't. It just the quality was so crappy. Like six, <clears> I just turn it off right away. I, if it's like that, I don't bother to listen. I know exactly what you mean. I can't handle it though. It's like if it's really bad quality, I'll just like I'll just shut it off and try and. F- I mean, unless it's like three in the morning and everyone, we're all drunk or something. <laughs> like yeah, I'm not going to care about the quality too much at that point. Maybe, but no, I just mean what I mean is I can't it for a while. And I like what I say it's it's not, but it doesn't bother me as much now. But there was a period where I could only listen to a, like a stream. Let's say like someone had a cool music stream. Uh, I could only listen to it for a certain to a certain point, and then I would get like a headache or an ear. Like I just like ah, it just doesn't sound right. Yeah, it sound, it does, and and it just would bother me so much that I had to stop, and uh, just because the bit rate is so. Anyway, we're I'm getting kind of nerdy here, but uh, it I, sounds I, I, bad I though. That, it does. It can sound really bad, but I haven't had that experience as much now that I have a a decent Bluetooth speaker and all that crap. With, you with got these. a hi-fi. You, you have a hi-fi system and a hi-fi uh, platform to play it from. <laughs> Maybe I still think it's not as it's certainly not as good as putting on a record, uh, but I I'm just tolerating it. Like you say, you're doing the same thing. You you've lost your record player. Mine's sort of inaccessible at the moment. So yeah, just doing my best. I'd like to know what it's good to not have the record player for a while because then I can search for music and figure out like what other records I want to track down and get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the age we're living in now. It's it's the the uh the digital stuff is just a it's a it's bait basically. It's a way to figure out if you're going to if you're going to pursue the, the 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 big fish, the real record. Yeah. <laughs> some fish, maybe now, we need some fish. Yeah, maybe. You do you, I my understanding is you're a really good cook. Is that right? I mean, I I'm I think I'm all right. Don't you like do you work as a cook? I I have before, and uh, my partner and I have a we own like a catering business and a food truck. Oh, you do? Yeah. 
It's in Sackville. What's the What's the name of the Let's Let's plug it. What's the name of the company? It's called the the Everyday. The food truck is the Everyday. Yeah. The the Everyday. So yeah, you, like you're going day. for kind of casual fare. Cash. Yeah, cash is super casual. <laughs> what What kind of stuff do you serve? We did like burritos and tacos and some like oyster mushroom poutines. I don't know. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't sound everyday. That that does not sound everyday to me. Oh no, I didn't mean it. Like more everyday. Like hey, it's like a it's like a habit or something. Or like <laughs> oh, 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 I see. <laughs> it doesn't speak to your uh, aesthetic or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. Actually, you know what? Um, Paul Henderson helped me come up with a name, and it's you know, it's it sort of touches on like a community sort of feel. Like it's like you know, it's like the spot. And do you still run the truck? Yeah. Yeah, we run it only in the summertime and the truck thing, but we do some catering stuff, uh, you know, through the winter months. What's your background? What's your, uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever asked this on the show. What's your culinary background there, John? <clears throat> um, I, uh, not much. I mean, my wife went to culinary school, uh, but I just, I've worked in a few restaurants like over the years, you know, between playing music and uh, just like working in kitchens, you know? Uh-huh. And so that's my only experience like on the job stuff. And also I'm a, I'm a huge fan of like cooking and been practicing and reading about it for pretty much my whole life. So, I mean, on some level, this isn't that mystifying. Uh, in theory, all of us should be doing what you're doing, uh, reading about food, learning to cook new... We all cook yeah. something, but I just didn't know that you... It, it came to my attention recently that you're you're something you're something of a specialist. So you you you've been you 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 have a company that you actually run that that's unusual. Like that's a higher level of cooking. Is and and you're saying you've just made it up as you've gone along. Well, I haven't made it up. I mean, I've um, learned from various like people along the way of like um, cooking or whatever in restaurants or just experimenting on my, on my own. I, but I mean, yeah, in terms of like opening a company or like having a food truck, definitely making it up as we go along because we don't know what the fuck we're doing at all. <laughs> and and do you have like do you have a favorite meal that you like to prepare and, and consume yourself? Um, I, I'm kind of like I grew up on meat and potatoes, so like I really like there's an, there's a there's like a newfie dish called Jake's dinner that's really good. It's like salt beef and turnip and cabbage and potato and carrot, basically boiled in a big pot. It sounds disgusting, but it's so good. It's really salty and yeah, it has all those reef vegetables in it. It's really nice. Oh, okay. And, and that's something you will. Oh, it has a bag of peas in it. I, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna make people angry if I don't. It has a little bag of peas in it too. Um, a bag of peas? Like you, you just put throw it, a bag. <laughs> yeah, like it's like this little bean. It's like this little bag, like that you know, like it's cheesecloth or it's made of like a oh permeable okay. material, and like there's these peas inside, and then so you cook those in with the whole thing, and then you take those out and and you mush them up, and they call them mushy peas. Oh right, of course you can get those. Uh, often they serve that kind of thing with uh, fish and chips out in the Newfoundland, I believe. You got it. Yeah, I've had that myself. Okay, so that's. That's interesting. Like, so that's fascinating to me. That's is that comfort food for you? Like, is that something you'd whip up if you? It is totally. Wanted? I'm not from Newfoundland or anything, but um, it is com- totally comfort food. I think like root vegetables and meat are like pretty. Those that's like the definition of comfort food. Yeah, right. Just exactly. It's like heavy. Okay. It's like super heavy and like 
warm, I guess. Right. So you do this. So you do the catering during the the winter months, but during the summer, the food trucks up and out and about. Yeah, totally. That sounds great. I didn't say I didn't know that. I, I hope the next time uh, I'm in your neck of the woods, I might I might perchance. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Be able to sample some of your wares. You should. I mean, I would... I would, I'd be honored. It would be great. And are you going to come to Sappy this year? We're working you, you on, I'm working, I am working on it, but we have, you know, the story I told you about my home and the records and stuff like we're, we're, we're contemplating a renovation. I will just say that. Whoa. It's a big job, like destroying a part of the house and redoing kitchens and all sorts of crap. I don't know how we're going to do this. I mean, I vaguely know cause I've been to the bank and I've talked to an architect and uh, some, uh, contractors and the city so it's on the it's happening but I don't know when exactly and uh, I'd like to go to Sapi I have put it in my as I mentioned earlier um, my uh, wife has a friend on the south shore so who lives on the south shore so we often go there first for the week and then go to Sapi after uh, we have not tried to make the trip since we've uh, made children um, so that's uh, do you travel much with your kids like do you go on long road trips not so much i mean like we go we'll go to the south shore which is like 350 or three and a half hours drive or so um but i don't Are you gonna say them... 350 hours no 350 kilometers <laughs> but about three and a half hours or so yeah that's I good <laughs> yeah 350 yeah. hours <laughs> they, i just they both have a, an ipad so i just put them no i'm just kidding they don't have that stuff no they wouldn't do well it's hard even with like three hours it's pretty wild i have this little tiny toyota echo and so everyone like when they talk or when they uh cry it's literally like right in my ear yeah, yeah, I have I have a Toyota as well, and it's a bit bigger than an Echo, but yeah, it's the same deal. Uh, I kind of want to. I do. You, do you have a? I want a. I want a minivan. That's where I'm at. I kind of want a minivan. That's. I know it's. Uh, it's part of it. I think I want to. I kind of want a minivan. I think I'd rather have a station wagon. Yeah, I don't know. I want the people farther away from me. It's not just the. I used to have before I had children. We had a minivan, my wife and I, my now wife and I. But at the time we weren't married. But I had a minivan. It was great. You go and you get stuff from the, you know, the big stores, and you didn't have to. You just put it all in the van. It was fantastic. And now that we have kids, I want an. I want one. The vans are even better. I test drove a twenty, fourteen, uh, Toyota Sienna, like it was a used one, and my 
goodness. It was lovely. I loved it. I loved the car. It's a, it's a van. It's just a stupid van. But I um, really wanted it. It was like, and they're so expensive. Like even the used, that, that particular make and model of the minivans is just out of hand. It's like $30,000 for a used, you know, low mileage minivan. It doesn't make any sense. That's a lot. That's a, a lot. You could buy like five nice vans for that. You would think so. Yeah. But it's really good. Like it, it, the trouble is, what I've been told is they don't come on the market very much because people hang on to those Siennas until they're, you know, nothing, until they're dust. They could last a long time. Jay had a Toyota Hiace, which is like a, I guess it's like a four, it's an all-wheel drive van that Toyota made. I think his was like an 80s or early 90s or something. But it had this feature inside, and you can press a button and talk like in the front seat and then the people in the way back like because there's three rows of seats can hear you talking because it amplifies it oh wow yeah the toyota people think of everything i i don't mean to plug them but i like their i've only i really enjoy toyotas and i think uh they know what they're doing that's all i'll say about it i don't want to say too much more because uh we've digressed a a lot uh and i want (laughs) to You keep mentioning Jay Crocker. Yeah. And uh, he's in your band. Who else is in your band? Um, Aaron Mangle and Sean Dicey. Right. And and uh, uh, you... Wait. What? There's a component in your band that are featured in another band called Joyful Talk, right? Who's in Joyful Talk? Sean Dicey and Jay Crocker. <laughs> are you not in are you not in them ever you never that sounded gross you never play in joyful talk <laughs> no not at all no have you ever seen oh, okay. them play it's like really intricate and uh thought out i don't think i could like i don't think i could do that i don't know enough uh electronics or yeah i don't i couldn't do that yeah it's i've seen crazy. them play a couple i've seen them play a couple times it is pretty they seem to be they seem to have to get into a telepathic mental zone yeah to to make that noise i don't even it is hard to under, understand but how did you how did you come to meet these people why are they in your band uh well with jay and uh or with jay i met him i guess when i lived in i used to live in calgary um and then he moved he came out to play a show um or we played a few shows together out here on the East Coast, and he stayed with me in Petite Riviere, which is, like, down the South Shore near Bridgewater. And yeah. uh, he was, like, super stoked. They were going to leave Calgary, and they were going to move maybe somehow more back east. And he was really excited about that part of the world. So they end up living there. They still live there now. And then we made a record together in 2014. I guess it was, like, the first thing we ever did together, but... Um, so that's sorry. How you made he what? Did. You you made what kind of record? Whose record did you make together? I made a, a John McKeel record with Jay and t- back in 2013. Right, right. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, and then with Aaron, like, because I lived in Halifax for years, and I knew like would go see cousins play or something. Like, we just met each other through the music scene in Halifax. We've been playing together for quite a while, and then Sean moved from Calgary to um, Crosstown, where Jay lives to sort of like get out of Calgary as well. And uh, it just made sense. Okay. And, and you kind of handed over the reins of Memorial 10 Count to, to Jay, really? Like he kind of produced and engineered it. Is that right? We kind of produced it together. I guess like, yeah, like it's a live record. So 
it, there's not a, like a, you could he definitely engine he engineered it and produced it sure he, that's sure <laughs> are you you're just trying to uh, explain that it was pretty much a collective effort kind of i think that's what he would probably want me to say but also i mean there's no question that it like has a sound and that jay is like really gifted at recording and like did an amazing job um it does it does have his records and your records with him have a sound yeah and jay's music has a sound how does he get that sound it's a very kind of interesting sound it's not it's not uh distorted it's not hazy but it's just he manages to make things sound a certain way and i'm as you heard i was trying to identify this the, the sound and I, I maybe i don't have the adjectives at the ready do you know what i mean it sounds like there's a bit of distance between the song and the listener through some kind of production technique and i can't articulate it any more than that can you in your words like how would you identify the the sound that jay comes up with i I think of it as like the sound of the room, like I've, ha- having spent like tons of time in that room, but it sounds like the stuff that he does out there in Crosstown. Like if you listen to like the Dark for Dark or the Laura Leaf record or the Ghost, or sorry, the like Ryan Bourne record, or I guess that one wasn't recorded there, but what was? There's like, who else did he record there? But it has a sound, like the space has a sound. And then he would probably say that it's like his crappy gear that he just knows how to use. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, it does sound like it does sound like gear is part of it, but yeah, he does know how to use it because he gets these interesting guitar sounds as well. Yeah, well, I mean, for this one specifically, like it's just the amps that we always play through live, and uh, like that's it. Like, there's nothing. There's no. There's no like real crazy. Pr- production at work it's just like we kind of played the songs well together maybe and like it just kind of came together and that was jay's vision for the project too and i was a little skeptical that it could even work but like that was him again like that's i guess applying a production technique really like believing in it in a a way and like knowing that it could work out like that even though it like remained to be seen yeah and I mean the song that the, you've named the record Memorial Ten Count, which uh, it evokes a ten count evokes boxing. Uh, when a fighter goes down, the ref has to count to ten. Is that where you got that from? Yes. And why? Or no, sorry, sorry, no, sorry. The Memorial Ten Count is is not just when someone's knocked down, but it's usually like if uh, they're recognizing a, f- a fighter who has died or a fighter who died in the ring. Um, oh, oh, so oh, there's oh like, right, of course. They told the yeah. bell 10 times, and it's like um, you have to tribute to like a fallen uh, fighter. Oh, that gives it a whole other... I, I'm sorry, I was so fixated on 10 count, I didn't, I guess, pay enough attention to Memorial. Uh, that's yeah, that's why, okay. Why did that, uh, why did that, I guess, ceremony? Why did that circumstance appeal to you? In some ways, uh, it was a sort of a tribute to my father who passed away a couple of years ago and uh who was a boxer um and so he was like you know obviously into uh boxing uh yeah i would say that i'm sorry for your loss i didn't realize that oh that's okay yeah and 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 the the album cover has a is the uh, is a shot of a, a car is it is this your toyota echo 
No, that's a Volvo 240 sedan, I think. Oh, is this a, is it is there some significance? Um, I don't know, not necessarily. I mean, I thought the photo was kind of like playful and warm like sounding or sorry like the record sounds and uh i just love that photo my friend uh, andrea took that photo yeah so people who can't see it at the moment it's it's basically a a perspective shot from inside of a car kind of i think it's from uh i would i would say it's from the back seat uh pointing towards the passenger side area and it's a in the frame is a the the speaker that's attached to the car door and then like the venting and then there's some nice uh little glimpse of the window this the passenger side window and the windshield and a, and a windshield wiper and then also some sunlight and shadow it's very it is it is a lovely photo did i capture that well enough for you i was trying to picture it when you're saying i think you did a, a good job um <laughs> I might only add that like there's a greenish sort of like hue going on because of the interior of the car. So in my mind too, like when I look at it the right way, it almost looks like a spaceship or something. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. There's something about these cars with their greenish hues. They have a very particular kind of greenish hue, don't they? That's true. Yeah. No, it's 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 lovely. Well, the record's great. Does it? You mentioned your the, the tribute to your father. Does is is there any thematic aspect to the to the songs that has become more clear for you? I think there's definitely like no way to escape probably his influence. Um, and the song "Brothers" is like pretty specifically about like him. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, definitely the themes or or sort of like that. He's all over the record. I would I would say like. There's no way to escape it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I mean, it, it just be, as we've discussed the production, I find that it can be, it takes a, it takes some repeated listening, I think, to really delve into what's happening on the record. Because as I said, or tried to clumsily say earlier, there's some, I think it's interesting you describe the sound as as warm. I think it is warm, but I do think there's some distance. I think the vocals are kind of buried here and there and, Mm-hmm. And they come; they become clear after repeated listenings. Uh, you know, you can kind of get a sense of what's going on. Um, and there's kind of a cacophonous aspect to many of the songs too. Like the, I just think the way things were kind of mixed. Uh, you've got to really sit down with a record and a record player, and not do the dishes while you're listening to this thing to get the full impact. I mean, that's true of lots of music, but I, I do think that's true of this. There's a lot of mystery the surface that you have to kind of crack through i think well i mean <clears throat> yeah i guess I, having heard them like probably way too many times i would have a different experience or something but it's like <laughs> sure. i i feel like it's a good live document of like that band and this time in particular so in that way i'm pretty happy i'm actually really happy with it I think it was a, a few years ago now, maybe a couple of years, a couple of two, couple of three, four years ago. I I saw the band play in Halifax, and then I saw the band play in um, St. John's. I think the St. John's was definitely the iteration of the band that we've been talking about. Uh, Halifax, you got it. Yeah. I think Halifax was a bit different. Maybe I'm I'm, I'm not sure, but in any case, um, at the time I I wrote up some little reviews and I I referenced Sonic Youth and I I referenced Chad Van Galen. I think. Uh, do those 
stick do, do, do those do those uh references offend you do they do they resonate with you do, do either of those artists mean something to you um yeah i mean i think that sonic youth had i'd loved sonic youth like in high school um i haven't really i guess i don't have any sonic youth records i have some probably like on my computer but and chad yeah totally i mean i think both of those both of those bands are amazing uh and yeah sorry what was your question did you did you nail it you nailed it man well <laughs> my question was uh i i mentioned those two people in a review i just wondered if, if that Didn't i wasn't really you, no i wasn't fishing for a review of the review i just wondered if those <laughs> it, it, i wondered if you and you were going to take those uh references and pivot to well actually no i'm more into such and such, but you say that uh, those two things stick out for you, or or or, or did mean some do mean something to you? And yeah, inform. of course, I think those two bands are really great. Um, they in, for, they inform your work. I think they do. I mean, for this record, it being a band record too, like I don't, it's not just my aesthetic at work or whatever. So that's maybe one of the m- more interesting things about it for me this time around too. But. Because now it's like sort of a completely different thing where it's not just my, you know, my shit or whatever. It's everyone else's. But I think we were listening to a lot of that um, John Cale record, like uh, Vintage Violence or whatever. Uh-huh. Maybe more so than Sonic Youth or Chad, but yeah, I'm stoked about <laughs> sure. <I'm laughs> that. Comparison. Sure, I mean, that, that's that's the way it works sometimes. Uh, you're You're not necessarily... Uh... Uh, listening to a record then going into the room and hitting record and then you know yeah but those records have had mark like yeah of course that those bands have had uh like impact or like influence on me yeah i'd say so yeah you you seem like you're you're in a a a good place with your, your work is there anything about working as a musician in canada and making the kind of music you make is there anything about it that you find frustrating or or overwhelming or anything like that um, I don't know. I mean, I would, I think that overall I'm pretty happy. Um, it would be fun to sort of like take it a little further, maybe like take it to Europe or something like that. But, uh, I also have like small children, so I, I have to be pretty, um, pretty particular about the things that I, uh, can do as far as what's frustrating. I don't know, man. Like it's, same stuff like just trying to hustle to get like paid to do anything or um you know just writing grants and getting shut down or i don't know just the same same stuff as usual there's a there's a song on the record where you reference that a little bit don't you um about what reference i uh, I feel like there's a a song with a bit of a spoken word interlude where it sounds like you're you're trying to oh yeah you're you're trying to highlight the the experience of being told you have to do something for for no money or 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 maybe it's trying to convince someone to do something for no money (laughs) well there's okay there's there's two possibilities i mean there's a song called boss that leads the record off and it's like kind of about you know, having a finite amount of time on earth and then like having someone own that a whole big portion of that time. And it's like, it's like, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) uh, And there's also a a fun, like this, but there's a voiceover ish one 
that sort of talks like it's like a bit of jokey about uh yeah like playing music and like sleeping on a couch and stuff which song is that uh maybe it's called turf war i think the one you're thinking of turf war yeah i think that might be the one too yeah so you you're not afraid to uh confront the reality of of your situation as an artist within your work i guess not yeah maybe not some I feel like it's becoming more and more common. It's not done as quite as well as you've done it, I, I think, but it's more and more common now for artists to be a bit more outspoken about the actual um, experience of trying to live a sustainable life as an artist and, and by kind of placing that reality in the faces of the people consuming their work <laughs> like on their records or in their videos or whatever they're making, you know, just kind of trying to highlight what a weird life it can be. Yeah, it's hard not to come across kind of funny when you're doing that. Jennifer Castle has that song, How or Why, I feel like is maybe, unless I got it totally wrong, is like kind of about that. Yeah. Um, she She's incredible, obviously. So yeah, yeah. I love that song. Yeah, so there's just some, you're part of a, yeah, I think you're just, as an artist working today, you're part of a fabric of, of people who are trying to convey this experience more. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is probably why you might be on a show like this one, too, to kind of talk about these things a little bit or, or, or try to um, humanize yourself. Maybe you're sorry, that sounds like very purposeful, but in a way, you're, <laughs> you know, when you do an interview, you're kind of providing a bit more insight about what it is you do. Yeah, yeah, really. sure. Yeah. And I, I, I assume it, that appeals to you on some level to be in this position to kind of say what it's like to be you and <laughs> you know be on the records maybe i mean i don't i feel like i'm pretty bad at this stuff i was so terrified to do this interview because you're got a you know you're smart and super quick and like i thought you know i was just gonna get i thought you were gonna destroy me or something <clears throat> what i'm not an attack dog I no i know i know not, not 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 you wouldn't come after me of course but i was just you know i don't know i just i've never done like a long ass format like this like an hour before and I just I wasn't sure if it was just going to be like rapid fire like crazy questions crazy per- I don't know I wasn't really sure what to expect no no I mean you I believe you've heard the show from our conversation of course though. of course yeah it's a fair you know casual... your, your, your conversations with like Albini and stuff were crazy like I mean like I mean I think that was particularly like it went really well obviously but like I was you know if I listened to that as a reference I I don't know it's just, it seemed a little, maybe, really well done. <laughs> well, I, uh, thank you for saying so. But I mean, in your own experience doing interviews, have you have you done many? And you say you haven't done many long form interviews, but did you do many interviews for this record? Um, yeah, a few. Or no, I just mean, just just generally. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I've done tons, like all the time. And do you do you find the experience revealing or therapeutic or helpful in any way? Um, depends on who's doing it. I mean, or it depends on the question, you know, sometimes you just get, well, you know how it works. Like sometimes <laughs> you get some pretty, not, not you, that you're a perpetrator of like a bad interview, but sometimes you get <laughs> the, like the, that question, like, uh, so what do you like about playing music or like something like that? I don't, I don't like that question. Is that weird of me? No, it's not. I, I, and it's not at all. No, I mean, obviously, it'd be weird to, if you were to flip it. Like, why do you like asking musicians questions about playing music? I mean, you could. Right. That's a weird. Yeah, I think there's a way to get into someone's process or motivation behind their process without coming across. Uh, 
I don't know, <laughs> as as sort of um, oblivious to why they might be doing something they're doing. I mean, I in this particular instance, I don't want to make this meta uh, this turn this into a meta conversation about the conversation. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, that's, but that's I, I do think slope. that. Well, I think you and I have a slight history or something of a history where I know your work and I think you know mine, and uh, so that's all. It's just a, it's a different context. Um, but I also, on the show, as you know, delve into motivations a lot um, and survival tactics a lot uh, for artists who are working today. Mm-hmm. So when I ask these questions of you, it's more just, uh, it's almost a long, ha- it's, a, it's like a long form way of saying, are you okay? Oh, that's nice. It is I'm kind okay. of, it can, yeah, <laughs> you're good. You're happy. The record's great. You must be fulfilled. Yeah, no, I feel good. I feel good about the record. Um, yeah, uh, I've been getting lots of sleep, which is nice. Nice. Uh, As a parent of two kids to get sleep, that's important. Well, they started sleeping, like, we're on a good spot right now. Like, it's a good groove that they've hit. We've been sleeping a fair bit. It's nice. Oh, good. Good for you. Now, b- before we wrap this up, I do want to know one thing. Yeah. Uh, tell me the most n- notorious thing about Amherst. Oh, yeah, right. I don't know if I know. Okay, there's a few things. So, do you know the story? Do you know the Great Amherst Mystery? Of course not. Why would I know that? that well, it was on rest- It was on um, Unsolved Mysteries. Are you familiar oh, with that show? I am, yes. I with Robert posted, Stack? I Robert Stack. Yeah, the late Robert Stack. That's right. Oh, is he, has he passed away? Yeah, he passed He passed a few years ago, yeah. He okay. was also in uh, Beavis and Butthead Do America. Why the hell was he in that? He was the he was the he was the uh, police officer in charge of uh, tracking uh, Beavis and Butthead, who were sus- suspect. I, I don't want to go through the finer points of the plot of Beavis and Butthead Do America, but I believe that was his role. He was the police officer in charge of uh, apprehending this uh, these these perpetrators, Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, not a bad gig. No, no, pretty good. <laughs> well. He was uh, prone to uh, having his people do a lot of uh, anal cavity searches. Um, uh, anal cavity, uh, yeah, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's did exactly Robert Stack did. also host a show called Rescue 911? Or was that that was else? William Shatner. I oh, yeah, William that was Shatner. William Shatner. Good God. I can't believe I yeah, confused those two. <laughs> well, kind of, kind of, kind of similar in some in some ways, but yeah, no, no, that I'm quite certain uh, Rescue 911 was hosted by William Shatner. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so but anyway, back to the Great Amherst Mystery. We can talk more about Robert Stack if you want. He passed away, it says here, I'm just looking this up now, it says here he passed away uh, on May 14th, 2003 at the age of 84. 2003, okay, so a long time ago now. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I love anyway, that sorry, show. The Great Amherst yeah, it was that was a good. It was creepy. That was a creepy show because all of the mysteries uh, were unsolved. Yeah, very, very few solved <clears throat> mysteries. No, I think they were all unsolved. That's the why the show is. None of the mysteries were solved. Right. That's why this. That's why the show is called Unsolved Mysteries. Right. Okay. I was thinking of uh, what's the other one then? Uh, oh yeah, The Price is Right. Yeah, the price is right. Most of the prices were right. That the those were that that had resolution, but this is different. Robert Stack host hosted um 
an open mic with and Drew Carey tried out for his role on the Drew Carey show and then later on uh, Robert Stack put in a good word with Bob Barker at The Price is Right oh is that right I didn't know that I think so are you making all that up <clears throat> no check it out check it out man okay I will try to to figure this out uh, for you but tell me about this great uh, Amherst mystery before we wrap up the show because I'm curious about this okay so there's um, this woman called this isn't what the most notorious this might be the most notorious Amherst story but it's not like because I have a lot funnier, funnier like maybe high school ones but this is a real one that was on Unsolved Mysteries and it's just like the story of this woman <clears throat> Esther Cox who and it was like a, a well-documented case of possession and exorcism. And uh, there's this big mural, actually, at, at, in downtown Amherst uh, depicting like some certain scenes from it. Um, and there were all kinds of uh, witness, eyewitness reports of like strange things happening. Uh, and yeah, this well-documented case of possession and exorcism. And I think that they based the movie or parts of the movie, the exorcism from that story, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about that. So don't, don't hold me to task on that. Wait, sorry. The movie, the exorcist was based on the Amherst mysteries. Is that what you're saying? I don't, let me just, I gotta, I shouldn't say that, but it's like, it seems like it, it seems like it was because the story is so similar. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued. Please keep going. So that's all I got. I mean, like that's what? That's a pretty. Have any Guelph? Have any Guelph stories made on unsolved mysteries? Uh, I don't know, but we we have a good. Um, we have a uh, we have a lot of Al Capone history here. Al Capone really? used to. Yeah, well, during the Prohibition, Al Capone used to come up here and deal with uh, the Canadian bootleggers and all that stuff. And he had a, a mistress here in Guelph who worked at the Albion. And at some point she was the Albion Hotel, which still, uh, it's a, yeah, not I played a, an there active hotel. Yeah, you would have played there. Yeah, that's right. It's not an active hotel. It's a bar, but it's still called the Albion Hotel. And in the, um, the, the, the story goes is that uh, one day, uh, this woman, this, this mistress of Al Capone's was found hanging, hung. And, um, no one knows if Capone did it or what, what went on, but she, she was found hung in the Albion. And to this day, people say that she haunts, serious, normal people say that she haunts uh, the Albion and and can be seen and there's noises and people who work there all swear they can attest to this. So that's a, so that's a, that's pretty good. That's a sort of an unsolved mystery. That's, uh, that's cool. I mean, I felt pretty normal when I played in there, although it has a pretty creepy vibe, I guess. Yeah, it does, kind of. It, it totally does. I'm just now going to Google Great Amherst Mystery and figure out what exactly went on there, because that, that is a good story. That's a good story because I want to know more about it. Even though you didn't say a whole lot, I want to know more. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn about that. And uh, maybe then if we come to Sappy Fest, me and my family, maybe we'll go there to Amherst yeah. and just yeah. check it out. Yeah. Now this uh, this record is uh, Memorial Ten Count. It's it's out on You've Changed Records. Uh, are you doing a bunch of shows? Yeah, we're doing a bunch of shows in April um, here on the East Coast and some in Ontario and Quebec. Uh, and then we're probably going to travel further west, maybe in the fall. Okay, and and people can go to You've Changed Records dot com for more info. Is that the best place? 
Yeah, I think that you'd find anything relevant there or, you know, Facebook or social media. <laughs> yeah, people should just look up John McKeel. Yeah, I think so. On Facebook, aren't you John McKeel person? Or is that your actual Facebook? Did I just give something away? That's okay. I had to. I have two of them. I have like one for the... I know it's weird, but one for the band and then one for <laughs> just like my regular existence. Right, right. Okay. But they so both end up being fuck. used for the same thing. So it's just kind of annoying. I should just have one. No, well, uh, I'm not trying to... Uh, I wasn't trying to be judgy. I'm just saying there's there's two. So that's good to know. So people can find you out there. Okay. Well, <laughs> like I say, I, I'm... I was uh, very pleased to get this record. It's it's really fantastic. I hope people check out Memorial Ten Count. Is there a song from the record that we can go out on right now, John? I guess maybe you should play. Sorry about the uh, space here, but what about playing uh, this the for the title track or sorry not the title track but the lead off track, Boss? Is it the title track if it's different than the album name? Uh, the album name is Memorial Ten Count. So, sorry, so, my, so my question is, it's not the title track because the there's no song with the title in it. Right, there's no as a title. title. You got it. I meant to lead <laughs> off. I meant to lead off track. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to be a jerk. So you hey, want to hear okay. the first song off the record is Boss. That's what you think we should go out on. Yeah, totally. And this is a a song uh, heavily imbued with the influence of your father. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, it's more so... <clears throat> oh, this was the one about kind of Canadian, or just music stuff, isn't it? Um, this one, like, lyrically is kind of uh, about just, like, working and power dynamics between, like, bosses and employees and someone owning your time on Earth. Yeah, I think uh, that uh, that sucks. I think that bosses should let people own their own time and not be too bossy about people's time. That's how, that's what I think. Me too. As long as the work's getting done, who cares? When it, You know, I just think that's... That's what they do in the more progressive parts of the world, I think. It seems like the more progressive parts of the world are getting, yeah, like shorter work weeks and... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Longer vacations and just more happiness. Just like in trying to make people as happy as they can so that they appreciate the, the working environment more. Makes sense. To I me. have no, I have no problem with it. It's, it seems like a good way to go. Okay, well let's let's hear. This is "Boss" by John McKeel from Memorial Ten Count. Uh, John, uh, thank you for your time, and it was fascinating speaking with you. I learned a lot about you and and your part of the the country. So thanks for being on the show, and best of luck with everything. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure.
Brand new music there by the great John McKeel. That was Boss from his excellent, may I say, Boss new album, Memorial Ten Count, available everywhere, courtesy of You've Changed Records. Thanks again, John, for being on the show. That was fun. Learned a lot about you and went in all sorts of directions. I enjoyed that very much. This is the 306th episode of Creative Control with Vishkana, which is available on iTunes. If you go to iTunes, please subscribe to the show, rate the show, and review the show. That gets the show more attention, and uh, we could use all the attention we could get. It's also available on audioboom.com, and you can go to patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to the show to keep the podcast going. Uh, and also we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter at Vish Creative and a version of the show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time courtesy of CFRU.ca that's where you can go that's uh, the, the main website for CFRU 93.3 FM Guelph's community and campus radio station so check us out there all of that information on my site vishkana.com this episode would not be possible without our sponsors, the finest pizzeria in Guelph, Pizza Trocadero. Call them for pickup or delivery at 519-829-2444 or check them out at trocaderoguelph.ca. Also, The Bookshelf, which is an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Learn more about them at bookshelf.ca. And for the finest coffee anywhere, try Planet Bean Freshly Roasted, Fair Trade Certified Organic Coffee, they have three cafes in Guelph, and they also distribute their coffee beans throughout Ontario. For more information, visit planetbeancoffee.com. That's it for me this week. For this episode, I don't know what time. Maybe you're listening to many episodes this week, so it's not. Maybe you're listening to more this week. It's not it for me this week for you, but that's it for me this week. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.